Welcome back to our special two-part hybrid work show. If you have landed here and haven't listened to the first part of this episode, make sure you go back and check it out where we deep dive into hybrid work from a security and networking perspective with our fun colleagues, Paul and Steve. In the second part of the show, we're exploring hybrid work from my favorite area of the Cisco business, collaboration, of course. And we've managed to convince even more Cisco legends to join us for a chat to give their perspective on the future of hybrid work and how collaboration technology can help to get us there. Rosie, shall we jump on into this next part of the show? I think we shall. There he is now, Baz. Baz, I know, but I know, Baz. I know. Do, do you know when? Do you know when you're at a a, um, a really tough? You, you're on jury duty and you're at a really tough court case. And the judge excuses you from all future court appearances at <laughs> any further jury duty. So after this one, right, you have to promise no more TikToks, no more TikToks. <laughs> this, this is it. Hello, collaboration team. Thanks very much for joining us. Again, as we mentioned in the last episode, this was all done at very short notice, so we appreciate everyone you know, filling out your diary to come on our podcast on a Friday afternoon. We have to say we're recording on a Friday. So, guys, what a way to go into the weekend. Pleasure to have you here. Um, as you know, we're working on a hybrid work special and we have had security and enterprise networking giving us their insight into the future of hybrid working and what it means for those areas of their business. And today we're going to be looking at collaborations. So before we start, we're going to do a bit of a roundtable introduction. Um, Pete, I'm going to come to you first. If you can tell us who you are, what you do here at Cisco, and for a wee bit of fun on today's introductions, what we're going to do is a game called Love or Loathe. And since we're talking about returning to the office, we want to know what your love and your loathe about an office environment is. And this could have been pre-COVID stuff, or it could be what you love and loathe now. So that's the format of the introductions. Pete, you're up. Yeah, so hi, I'm uh, Pete Hampton. I'm the club lead for the UK and Ireland um, public sector sales specialists here at Cisco. Um, what I love about being in the office, actually seeing people in 3D. Um, after the last two years, um, it's it's fantastic to actually get to be with people in an office. What I hate about it is being with people in an office um, <laughs> and noise and disruption and... So in equal measure, love and loathe uh, being in the office. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my love and loathe. Great. Thanks, Pete. Barry, we'll come to you next because you just look so enthusiastic to get here. <laughs> Thanks, Claire. Yeah, Barry Redman's my name. I'm based in Dublin. Um, so I'm a technical solutions architect. So I try and keep the, the sales guys honest in terms of our collaboration portfolio. What do I load? Well, I have a big loading for noise cancelling headsets and people that use them in the office, right? Uh, and for taking calls on noise cancellation. And it reminds me of that Don Jolly, or Dom Jolly sketch where he takes out the phone and is screaming into it like, hello. <laughs> and, you know, for these calls to be constantly going on for about a half an hour. So that's my load of being back in the office and, and the use of noise cancellation headsets. Um, what do what do I love uh, about being back in the office? Uh, and I, I think like as we the spontaneous crack, you know that's that's what I love, you know where things just 
just happens. Like, you know, for instance, like, you know, the story I always remember is, is one of the guys, he got a new BMW and unfortunately he had his wing mirrors stolen off it. And, uh, you know, but like the devious devils that we are in the office, we decided to, uh, you know, reenact the case and we put the mirrors up on an advertisement site and we pointed them towards this advertisement site and he thought he'd solved the case and he was onto the police and everything before we told him that it was a wine. Just things like that, you know, these things that just just break out in the office, like, you know, that you had no idea it was coming, but just happens. And, and, and that's what I love about being back in the offices. That's that stuff. That's brilliant. And Jerry, some might say we leave, we leave the best to last. So tell us a bit about you, please. Yes, Colette. Hi, Jerry Kellogg is my name. Also based in Dublin, working with Barry, um, collaboration sales specialist. But do you mind if I just, Barry didn't actually finish the complete story about, <laughs> about the, we'll come back to the wing mirrors. So he didn't, he didn't tell you that Barry actually created the ad, but put his own phone number in the ad. So when this individual <laughs> found the ad and rang the number, it was Barry who answered in the canteen, I might add. Surrounded by about 10 of us. And it turned out he was sitting right beside Barry at the time when his phone rang. It was, it was priceless. Mm-hmm. So what do I love and load? I guess, yeah, I love, like Barry, love being in the office. The, the crack we have in the office. Um, but it's just, a, it's almost, it's the Irish crack. We love it. Um, what do I load at the moment? I guess, you know what I load? I've discovered sitting in the car for 45 minutes in traffic trying to get into the office. What a waste of time. I hate to commute now. Um, I know we can use the cars, but still, no, that's probably my pet hate. So I'll probably wait, work at home, hybrid work. I'll work at home until the traffic is gone, go in if I have to, and then leave early to get to the port tunnel because it's cheaper. We leave before four o'clock. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Watching your pennies. (laughs) He has a time to perfect. (laughs) 3.59 at the gate. (laughs) No, that's brilliant. So it's all very similar themes that we've covered like yesterday as well about, um, yeah, like how we used to spend, Rosie used to spend two hours each week commuting to her office, five days a week, four hours of your day commuting. And when you think back to that, you just think, wow, like we will never surely go back to it. So, um, so yeah, the purpose of today's chat is about hybrid work. We've spoke about security. We spoke about enterprise networking really interesting conversation about what actually goes on behind the scenes and how these areas of businesses which i guess for me as a collaboration specialist i don't really tend to think about i just think hybrid work we're always talking about collaboration the technology that we've got here but what are we meaning by hybrid work in terms of collaboration pete when we talk about hybrid work nowadays what do we mean by it from a collaboration perspective well, you won't see it on the podcast, but my virtual background I've got on my uh, on my device says work is what you, you do, not where you are. Um, and actually, that's really true. You know, as, as we've adapted to the changes that have happened in the in the last in the last couple of years, um, it's really about empowering people to do their best work wherever they happen to be. If they're at home, if they're on the move, um, if they're in a public space or if they're in the office. Um, whatever technology is deployed has to accommodate the individual user. It has to be simple. It has to be inclusive and accommodate everybody wherever they're working. Um, and it, it's an evolving picture. Um, and I don't, I don't think anybody's got a, a, you know, a completely boiled answer to this right now. But, um, you know, it's, it's everybody's on a learning curve. And I think as our customers 
adapt. And, you know, speaking from my world in public sector, you know, there are certain areas where people can't work from home. You know, if you're a nurse on the front line or if you're in a, you know, a GP in a surgery or, you know, um, you know, people that are out um, doing work in the community, you might be, um, you know, a district nurse or, 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 you know, work in social care or something like that. There are areas there that, you know, it really hasn't uh, worked for and can't work for necessarily, but there are ways that we can make it more inclusive so those folk are part of this hybrid world moving forward. Yeah, and I think you touched on a, a really important point there is that actually, you know, I mean, we see it from our job and working with WebEx is how much it's progressed and how many extra features there are and how many things that, that probably maybe would have taken longer to do if we hadn't been so focused on video. So maybe one for you and Barry, um, Jerry, is, you know, what have you kind of seen as the changes in the kind of environment around collaboration and how much it has changed over the past two years? So so maybe <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll chip in, Barry, first and maybe add afterwards. One of the things, Rosie, I've seen is the proliferation of video on calls. And we've all been on uh, conference calls by lots of different vendors. And when, it's, when it all began, people were looking to put on video. Video is now, it, it's an expectation that we use video within our calls. And I've been on some calls where people get, uh, I guess, chastised or asked, where's your video? Can't see it. Because you want to be inclusive. People now want to participate. And it, it reminds me of... Pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, that wasn't really an expectation because most of the meetings happened within the office and the smaller majority were remote and they were remote for various circumstances. Either they were sick or they were traveling, but there was no expectation on them to send video. So they probably didn't feel inclusive, but now the reverse has changed. It, it, there are fewer people in the office now. It's almost the 80-20 rule has flipped. The 20% are in the office, the 80% are remote. And it's those people who are remote <clears throat> need all the services that Pete talked about. We need good video. We need broadband. And I suppose we at Cisco, we've been lucky enough to be able, we, we have been working in a hybrid mode since, I suppose, for the last 10 years. We didn't realize it. This was pre, pre-COVID times. We were fortunate enough that we could work wherever we could. We didn't have to be in an office. It was great to be in an office. You got the... You got the benefit of meeting people and sharing ideas, ideation in rooms and, and having co having sessions uh, with colleagues in, a, in an office. But now we quickly realize, you know what, you don't actually have to be in there. But video is a key enabler for all of this. And the other thing that's changed is we've, in the old days with video conferencing on various platforms, it would be a bit of a joke if, oh, we can't hear you, your, your audio is bad, I hear chicken man voice, your video is breaking up, you're on mute. All of those features are diluting now because of the applications that we're using. They've become much more intelligent. So we, I can see that, Rosie, you're on mute and you know you're on mute. And so we tend to, we tend to fall into that little, those little problems less and less because the tools are becoming much more user friendly. So maybe, and I don't know I, I how don't... I would have survived without uh, noise cancelling, to be honest. <laughs> it is my favourite feature. And, you know, because what we had initially, when Colette and I had started off doing the podcast, we had um, used a, like, 
a podcast special software that we had found online, didn't we, Claire? And actually, we found that without having the noise cancelling in the background, like I had gardeners in while we were trying to record. Wow. <laughs> and all you could hear at one point was the gardeners. <laughs> so actually, we switched to using WebEx to do all our recordings um, because of the noise cancelling element. But um, things like that have just come on leaps and bounds because yeah. we it's had to because we've been all working from home and having kids running around and all the rest of it. And I think so that's Barry, interesting what you were saying, uh, Jerry. sorry, about the features, but do you think that that has, obviously as everything progressed throughout the pandemic and like we say, the noise cancellation, everyone was always trying to catch up with, trying to kind of adapt the technology to the reality of the situation. And do you think because of that, it, within the marketplace, that little competitive edge, did that make the technology go faster? Like because everyone well, was trying to get all those features Absolutely, Colette. If, if it wasn't for COVID, <laughs> none of the vendors would be as advanced as we are. In our case, we had to rapidly ramp up. Now, the, the numbers we see are 16x, the capability of, of WebEx. And then we had to ramp up the development of applications and, 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 and uh, features within the platform itself. So, yeah, with, without a doubt, COVID, uh, Colette, COVID has helped us. And, uh, and because of competition as well, uh, Around COVID, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that it has helped us ramp up. I, I think com competition has had a massive effect on on where we're at at the moment, Colette, right? So, you know, if you look at the at the collaboration world a couple of years back, right, it would have been the likes of Cisco, maybe Avaya, you know, when they purchased Nortel, Ericsson, they were the vendors. But, you know, Microsoft have got into this game, a great product, we're in Teams, Zoom came from nowhere, with a really good product right at the right time, hit COVID and basically got got everyone using and it became a verb out there. And to be honest, us in Cisco, we had to catch up, right? And the rate of innovation that we've done due to the competitive threat and the need has been mind-blowing over the last 18 months. And you, you can use the, the sports analogy, right? So, you know... The, I suppose the likes of the Arsenals, the Man United, they had us good for so long, right? And then the new money came in and the Man City and they're like the Zoom that come in and sort of transformed the Football League and everyone has had to respond to that. And the, and the level of football now that you see and the pace of football is completely different to what you've seen. And that's due to years ago. And that's due to the, competi uh, the competitive nature that everyone has just had to innovate, improve, get fitter, look at different ways of how they can... Uh, how to play the game, and that's us within within the collaboration space, and the and how the technologies come on. Because you know, you look look at the players now in this space: Cisco, Zoom, Microsoft, Google, Amazon. You know, and they're all innovating and innovating, and everyone is trying to keep up and keep up and get a jump on each other, which is brilliant and brilliant and brilliant for the consumer and the user of the technology. Keeps us all on our toes. <laughs> But one of the things I think, you know, what, what I'm seeing, you know, and conversations with customers is that, you know, they're potentially closing down offices or their, um, you know, their real estate is changing. We, we spoke about it a bit yesterday, but it'd be great to hear from a collaboration perspective what you're seeing, because, you know, some people have said that, you know, they don't want video devices because they're not, they're downsizing or whatever. So how have you seen that? Because I see it as an opportunity for businesses to repurpose their environments. So like, what does that kind of look like from your perspective? So, so I'll hop in first because it's quite topical. I had a call only today with a customer who, uh, they, they are a Cisco customer, but they've suddenly realized that, hey, hang on a second. 
all all your devices are I have the ability to join a Microsoft Teams call, a Google Meet call, a Zoom call, all from the one device. Now that that is powerful and that has driven um customers to think about their infrastructure because when they go in we're not all going to be sitting on microsoft teams meetings we're not all going to be on webex we're going to have to we're going to have to do we're going to have to join different platforms at different times so i think people are going to start considering when they go back to the office can my device can my infrastructure allow me to join multiple platforms easily but where where are where are we going with, from a, a building perspective more and more endpoints being deployed in more and more rooms because they need to consider this 80-20. 20% of the people in the office, 80% remote. So the people who are remote have to have a good experience with people who are in the office. So lots more endpoints, I would imagine. I would also see we have a lot of wasted space now in offices, large open plan offices that are probably uh, defunct now because there are fewer people going to the office. So we're probably going to have to see a redevelopment of office space into be more and more huddle spaces and smaller meeting rooms where people can go in and then also talk to uh, people who are remote. Yeah. I think, uh, go on, Barry. Sorry, Jerry. I agree with you there, right? So, Rosie, we're not seeing offices being closed down. What we're seeing is a no. lot of retrofitting, right? That these spaces are no longer fit for purpose. I have a brother that works in construction and um, and like does a lot of fit-outs and that's all his work at the moment is basically working with large banks, working with office buildings and all that is real estate and basically retrofitting into those type of environments that Jerry is speaking about. So huddle spaces, meeting rooms, collaboration spaces, breakout spaces, all of that type of environment is. And that's what a lot of organizations are looking at in terms of their, their real estate. And Pete, I'll just jump in there as well, Barry. Um, you know, some of the feedback we've had from, from from customers, especially the you know the facilities and the, the the teams within organizations that are actually responsible for managing the real estate, they're actually using this as an opportunity to review the the estate that they have. You know, is it is it fit for purpose? Do we need um, you know ten buildings when we could probably get away with three or four? <laughs> Um, you know, most buildings are leased, so they're reviewing their their leasing contracts. Um, and doing that in conjunction with the discussions around, well, how do we ensure that our staff have got the right capabilities? So regardless of where they are, using those meetings, using those offices as meeting spaces rather than the place where they worked. Um, and, you know, it's a real, we're in this real transitionary period at the moment. Um, you know, if I, if I look at London, you know, London's never had so much spare office capacity as it has right now. <laughs> Um, it's only now that we're starting to see trains starting to fill up with people going in um, uh, to to the city, but nowhere near the levels that, that they were pre-pandemic. You know, we're we're sort of you know six months, nine months out, if you believe the politicians from from the you know the worst of it last year. Um, but the you know the, the the amount of people that are commuting in is definitely down. Um, so there are implications, you know, to a whole host of um, you know businesses out there. Um, and you know, if I'm if I'm in real estate or managing that uh, that facility, I want to make the best use of what of what I've got for the period that I need to keep that building, and then the longer term, do I need to keep it at the same level that I had it before? So there's huge opportunities there for for businesses to 
you know, review what that, that real estate um, uh, portfolio looks like and how people are using it. So, Barry, you're absolutely right. That refitting and repurposing of those, those environments to, to best, better suit the needs of the people that are coming into to the offices and, and the reasons why they're coming into the offices. I, I think, Pete, just to add to that, that another aspect that's, that the hybrid work mode is changing is, is, is the residential the residential housing market because now if if I was to move house a bandwidth would be a a key consideration i I, I couldn't move to a uh, an 8k dial-up anymore I need like I, I, I have a huge bandwidth coming it's a necessity now for me to have good bandwidth in order to hybrid work also <clears throat> I no longer have to be in Dublin I I, I can move to I can work anywhere in the country uh, as long as I've got good bandwidth um, and as long as I'm, I'm near a main artery to get into Dublin if I needed to. But I think that's affecting the housing market as well. People are moving in Dublin, they're moving out to suburbs. So it is affecting the housing market in a good way, in a good way, and it's driving up and, and connectivity requirements. And going back to kind of what you were saying, Pete, about the trends and this transitionary period that we're in, because... Right now, I'm reading loads of articles at the minute about hybrid work and the return to office. And actually, what we thought was going to happen kind of hasn't happened. And when people are actually going into the office now, what we're hearing is businesses saying, actually, they're having bandwidth issues and connectivity issues because people are going to the office and everyone's just joining virtual calls to the point where it's just like, well, what is the purpose of an office anymore? Because surely, if you're just going to spend eight hours of your day back to back on virtual calls in an office, you could just be doing that at home. So what do we see as like, what is the future of an office? What's the purpose of it now? And what are business leaders having to think about? And just to kind of pivot that question a little bit, throughout the pandemic and as things progressed, what we saw in collaboration was the people who we were speaking to in businesses kind of changed because there was input from facilities. There was input from HR, from people in culture, from lots of people have a say. But Barry, from a technical point of view, so there's kind of two parts to this question. What's the future of the office? What does it look like? But from a technical point of view, what are the sort of headaches? What are the pain points for the guys in IT and the technical side in trying to roll out these hybrid offices of the future? If I, if I pick that up first, then what's the purpose of an office? I think there will always be a need for a gathering point for people to come together. So whether it's, you know, at the top level, whether it's a, uh, a board meeting, um, or whether it's um, you know uh, teams coming together to um, uh, to share ideas to meet for for whatever purpose. But I think where we were pre-pandemic with you know my idea of going to work was I would commute for an hour, um, I would go into an office, I would sit down at my desk in front of my machine, do my work from nine till five, and then leave. I think those days are starting to um, to go. There will still be people that do that in certain roles. And, in, you know, if I, I look at public sector, there will be people that do that. But they will become the minority. How much of a minority is still yet to be seen, but I think they will become the minority. Um, so the purpose of an office has definitely changed. It's more of a gathering point than it is a place of uh, a place where I go to do my work. And the heart of it now is the people that are carrying out, carrying out that function within the organisation the office is now just, um, uh, you know, a tool that can be used as and when it is required. Um, so it, it really has changed fundamentally in, in, in the last six to 12 months. 
Absolutely, P. And look, and, and that brings with it technical challenges, right? So when everyone was working from home, you know, rather than a, an organization having three or four locations on their WAN, they now have 2,000 locations, right? With everyone working from home. And, and most of these users are using direct internet access and accessing cloud service, whether that's a Cisco WebEx or whether that's a Zoom. And, and the bandwidth, there's no real bandwidth issues on that organization. There's no security issues because the users are just going straight out to the internet. They're now coming back into the office and the expectation is that they can join that Zoom meeting, that they can join that Microsoft Teams meeting. And is the bandwidth in place from the head office to allow that, right? Because sometimes these calls can go from four to six meg, right? And you multiply that by 2000, right? Have they size the bandwidth necessary for that? What about the latency, the jitter, those type of things? Then there's things like proxy services. You know, if you try and push that type of traffic through a proxy server in the in the central location, you're just going to kill it. Right. And then the other thing around security. So they may open it up for, for their, just their own meeting platform. Let's say the customer's using WebEx. So they enable WebEx as a, as an application from their head office, but users have to join every type of meeting platform. So what we're seeing is, and Jerry mentioned this earlier, as, as people go back to the office, the experience of being in the office is just not the same as being at home. And it's, and there's a lot of catching up to do within the office to make sure that that experience is the same for the user, whether they're working from home, or they go into that office, right? And that'd be it. There's another aspect to it, and that's the the, the people management or the people, the people uh, retention issue. Pre-pandemic, workplaces, offices were almost like command and control centers. You had a manager and you had a lot of staff and the manager managed the people around him. Along comes, and and, I guess the goal then was, how do I keep people productive? How do we make sure that the business flows and manage the business? Because managers could see the productivity of individuals because they were office-based. Now, the question is, how do I keep my staff? Because post-pandemic, a lot of the people have realized, hang on, I don't have to be in the office anymore. I can, be, I can actually be more productive at home um, as long as I've given the correct uh, facilities, endpoints, headphones, bandwidth, and so on, if all those factors are addressed, people can be very productive at home and now want to move in positions where they can retain the benefit they've got from the pandemic. Yeah. Myself, uh, Pete and Barry were on a call today with a colleague. He was at home. He was actually speaking to us all and he had a four-year-old daughter with him. And it was lovely to see because Everybody accepted the fact that the, the child is at home. The kids are kids. They will. She wanted, I think she wanted Mark to uh, to do something on his on the iPad. But Mark was trying to deliver a message to us on the call at the same time trying to console a four-year-old. It's just the way life has changed. We accept that now. So and I think it's 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 healthy for us to to realize that this is the way we yeah. work now. No one even bats an eyelid now, do they? Everyone just starts no. waving when you get a child coming to the screen. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. No, I've never seen so many bookcases in my life as I have in the last two years as well. And going back to that about, so obviously we know things have changed and people are probably going to spend more time at home than they are in the office. And obviously when the pandemic hit, businesses just did what they could to give their, their people the tools and technology that they needed to work from home. But realistically in the long term, like is a laptop 
sufficient just for the future of the way hybrid work is going to be? Or do businesses need to be thinking about what sort of video tools they're giving their people at home? What sort of video equipment? We're always, we spoke about the office and the video equipment, but realistically to sustain this long term, if you are the type of business where you've just given your staff a laptop just to go home with, with no other video equipment, is it sustainable in the long term? What's your views on that? I think the pandemic forced um, uh, everybody to work from home. We were governments mandated um, that you know going into public areas was was uh, forbidden. So people had to use what what they had. I think long term that's not sustainable. Um, you know, you you see the pictures of of people hunched over small laptops on a kitchen table. That's not an environment that's conducive long term. You know, it's a short term. People knew what was going on in the world. They put up with it because they, you know, for the greater good, they knew they were, they had to carry on working and it was, it was the only option available. I think as we, as we move into a stasis now where people are, are going to be working, not just from home, but from public areas or, you know, on the move or wherever. Um, if we just take the home office, I think people are absolutely looking for something that's less tiring. You know, if you look at the studies that have been carried out during the pandemic about people working from home, people are working much longer and much harder because if you're in an office environment and it's really lovely to have, you know, pardon my, uh, my joke at the beginning, but actually it's fantastic being around people. But being around people, you have the people popping over to where you're sitting and saying, can I just ask you a question or popping over to the coffee machine or, you know, whatever it might be. You don't have that necessarily at home. You know, if you may be working at home where you're, you absolutely are on your own throughout the day. And what we found is people are starting work earlier and they're stopping work later. Um, so um, to have the, the, the tools to make that as um, painless as possible, you know, we're fortunate on this call. We're using dedicated video devices, so we don't necessarily get the level of eye strain or the hunchbacks or whatever we'd have if we were just working off a laptop screen. Um, but there are, you know, you know, a significant proportion of people that are working in their home offices that don't have that luxury. Um, and you know, it's definitely something that you know, uh, us and, and others in the industry need to focus on is the well-being of those folk that are working from home. Have they got a good chair to sit on? Have they got a you know a desk that they can put this stuff on? Uh, and without getting salesy about it, you know, we Cisco, we we introduced a, a, a new dedicated video doc, a device called the Desk Mini because a lot of the research was done was <coughs> it's fine having a dedicated video device, but there's a significant amount of people that physically don't have room for it in their house. So can we have something that actually has got a really nice screen that's usable for an extended period of time but doesn't actually take up that much room? And you're going to see this in the industry um, vendors are going to be um, focusing on making sure that somebody um, uh, that's working at home has as good an experience as possible. Um, you know, it'd be nice if we could have little reminders saying, go and take a break for 20 minutes. You know, those kinds of human type of uh, evolution in, uh, in hybrid working. Um, but just from, the, just from the technology, it's making it as um, less painful and as less stressful. And Pete, I suppose one of the big enablers for that for me, and again, it comes down to this competitive element, is the cost of these devices have dropped right down. That's a really good point, Barry, really good point. 
Yeah, where, you know, or it used to be, you know, it was expensive technology and it was only really given to the exec team. But now due to the competitive nature and due to the, the different vendors coming into this space, it's come right down. And now you get a top quality video device for, you know, less than a thousand bucks, right? So, you know, and that's what makes it, you know, available to the masses and really transforms that user experience at home. Yeah, can I absolutely. Add, can, I add, can I add as well? So to, to first go back to Colette's question, is a laptop sufficient for home working? I think the answer is definitely no, because of all the things that Pete's spoken about. So you need to add headsets, noise cancelling headsets that Barry said at the very, very outset. It is a nightmare to be in an office with somebody shouting at somebody on another call. So that would, that would, that's a killer. And a good camera to pick somebody up. But how does the business manage the rollout of those devices. So one of the things that we, we have in our favor is the ability to see and manage the software on our headsets without getting too salesy, as Pete said. But it is key. If you're gonna if you're gonna enable a remote worker, one of the things you've got to do is give them the tools to do it correctly and manage those tools from some class of a central portal. And we can do that and we've done it successfully. So I think that would be key as well. Headsets, uh cameras yeah, so lapt laptops wouldn't be enough. And yesterday with the guys in security and networking, they kind of spoke about how the, the journey to the cloud in their areas has been accelerated because of the pandemic and all of these. I mean, we touched on, I spoke about one of my favourite things that we have from terms of security is the ability on my Apple Watch to hit the duo sign in. Like that blows my mind. If my phone's not there and I can do a duo on my on my Apple Watch, it's brilliant. And what we were saying is actually the advancements in technology is all to do with user experience. And Steve was explaining in terms of a security, you need to put as little blockers in front of people as possible in order for them to comply. Otherwise, they'll find ways around around the security. But from a collaboration perspective, have we saw that same acceleration to the cloud? Barry, I'll come to you. Yeah. What are we seeing in terms of a, a trend of, especially around like things where people have on-premises calling and then we're just not in the office anymore or they're maybe thinking about a move to the cloud? Is it that difficult? Is it painful? Like, What is the technology allowing people to do nowadays in terms of cloud technology? I, I suppose, Claire, the first thing we, we, we should just point out is this is not new, right? So WebEx has been in the cloud for coming on 20 years now, right? So it would have been probably one of our first cloud technologies and, you know, it would have been the number one meeting platform for, for, for a number of years. And it's always been a cloud platform and the benefits of the cloud, like easy access and all the benefits that, that, that Pete mentioned. I suppose what we're starting to see now is, is those other workloads moving to the cloud, particularly like, you know, calling and telephony moving to the cloud, particularly contact center. Contact center, contact center is massive, particularly in the mm -hmm. pandemic as where you used to have in a contact center where you'd have thousands of agents congregated in a single building mm -hmm. now. And, you know, and that was great, but now all of these agents are working from home. So, you think cloud technology just enables that type of functionality. All they need is a web browser and a, and a telephone line and they're part of the contact center, no matter where they are. Added to that is the, the, the capability to switch on digital contact center, right? That's a massive because the last thing and due to contact centers going to remote agents, the number of agents actually dropped down, right? So call queues, like I was working with a, a large financial or sorry, from a personal environment, I needed to get a credit card. 
And the queue time for me to get a, because of getting some credit card fraud, uh, was something like an hour and 40 minutes. Like the queue time, right? And that's because the agent resources have dropped because they're all working remotely. So the ability now to do that channel shifting within the cloud, that to move known the customers coming in on, vo- on a voice channel, they're going to give them an hour and 40 minutes of a wait time. Can we shift them to a WhatsApp channel and self-serve? Can we shift them to an SMS channel and self-serve? And there are the technologies that are very easily enabled directly from the cloud. And that's what we're really seeing in terms of that shift. And can, can I maybe answer the question, Colette, in terms of pure, pure calling? What's the, the shift is absolutely towards the cloud. Uh, definitely. Customers are asking, can I, can I move my infrastructure that I've got to the cloud? And there are customers who, for various reasons, are, are either slow or reluctant to do it for security concerns. They like to keep their, their calling on-prem. For those people who would like, who are really considering retaining what they have on-prem, the management can go to the cloud. The analytics and the troubleshooting can all be done there from the cloud. So as Barry said, elements, workloads of the individual technologies are migrating to the cloud. And eventually, those customers will, they realize the security that we're able to offer from the cloud is there. We have, we're one of the most secure platforms going. So we're able to offer all of the services that customer needs on-prem from the cloud. So yeah, it is undoubtedly cloud-centric for us. <laughs> if we're good enough for the customers. queen. <laughs> yeah, there you exactly. go. <laughs> but, it, but, but with that comes reliability as well. Jerry, um, you know, if you look at if you look at the course of the last two years, um, uh, you know, it's been staggeringly reliable um, in the last two years. Because if you've got a remote workforce and something goes wrong with a the service they're using that's been provided by the cloud, what happens about supporting it? Um, you know, it has to be reliable. And, and what's really um, uh, delighted me over the, the last couple of years is just how reliable um, the, you know, the platforms have been. Um, that's not the case for for, um, for every organization, but we're really lucky that the platforms that we use within Cisco have, have been remarkably uh, robust, especially when at the start of the pandemic, you know, literally millions and millions of people were going on to WebEx. It was some, something like a, you know, at least, 10 times growth on that platform in that initial uh, period of, of the pandemic. And the way that we were able to grow and expand the service to accommodate that massive influx of, uh, of users um, uh, on the WebEx platform, um, which has remained pretty constant since, um, you know, it, it's a, a testament to the to the. Um, robustness of cloud services. Now, if those were all sitting in a customer's data center, you know, the chances are they would have potentially struggled with that. But because it's a cloud service, it's allowed that uh, reliability um, and, and for people to just, um, you know, carry on, uh, carry on using it. Yeah. And, and one of the other things, Pete, that's proved remarkably, <laughs> right? just, it's all very well having reliability in the cloud, but there's lots of there's lots of links in the chain before that user gets to the cloud and having, having insight and telemetry. So when it does go wrong and invariably things will go wrong, right? So, but knowing where it has gone wrong, right? So whether that's at the user's 
Wi-Fi connection, whether it's at the user's uh, ISP that they're using, or whether it's some other uh, connection upstream into that cloud service, to actually drill down and know where that issue is, is really key to enabling these cloud services. And we, we like to call it like time to innocence, really, right? Rather than having all of this finger pointing and everyone jumping on a call and saying, it's not my, it's not my problem. Oh, everything's yeah. great for me. That's right. We, we, I, had, a, we had an um, issue a couple of weeks ago, Barry, just on that very subject and the customer uh, was having a connectivity issue and using the technology that you're, you're talking about from our security team, we could actually visualize on screen exactly the path that the user was going from, from their house through to um, our center and, and established exactly where that um, that problem lay. Problem it was in, in one of the um, one of the hops from the service providers along the route that they were taking. And imagine like how we used to do that in the old days, like, you know, that, the amount of calls and you know yeah. tack hours yeah yeah, and, yeah yeah you know ring me when it happens again type of stuff and i'll get online and try <laughs> trace it have you tried turning it off and on <laughs> yeah all of that stuff right and falling out you know and and then you're on for to the isp and you're invariably waiting an hour and a half and then they say no everything's great here right and, but unless you have that data where you can actually go and say sorry no it's not and here is the reason why you know, you're on. It's amazing, right? And it really transforms the rollout of these cloud technologies, in my view. So, guys, I'm conscious of time. We're kind of coming to the end of our hour. Um, speaking about how fast, obviously, the technology has developed over two years, and obviously, the pandemic's had a massive role to play in that acceleration. I want you all just to think, just to wind up today, about in 10 years' time, what do you like what sort of technology are we going to be using from a collaboration perspective like if you could imagine in 10 years time where does your imagination take you like what sort of experiences do you think we're going to be having can i chip in first on this one because i've seen I, i'm excited about one little technology that we're, we're developing out, out of galway actually it's it's the hologram technology um it's 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 embryonic it's early but the potential for this if we get it right, develop it well, get the headset technology working correctly, the power of this is potentially enormous. And, and the concept would be people who are remote sharing ideas and working on uh, products, developing products med for medical applications, architecture, um, mechanical design, huge potential for it. And I think it's an exciting area and I think it, it'll become more and more pervasive uh, as part of whatever WebEx will be, the next generation WebEx in 10 years' time. That would be my tuppence word. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Jerry. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really excited in terms of the, what the world of AI and, and machine yeah. learning is going to continue to do, right, and and be really proactive in, in trying to understand people's trends and, and where that's going to go over 10 years. I don't even know where it's going to go and I can't even imagine, but just seeing where, where it's taken to us at, at, at this point and is, is being phenomenal. So I'm really excited about seeing what's going to come out of that over the next couple of years. Yeah. One of the technologies that I, um, you know, really look forward to and we've, we've already implemented <clears throat> the first phase of this is online translation. So we've got speech to, speech to text at the moment, which is if I'm speaking in one language and the recipient is um, uh, receiving my video in another language, you now the WebEx platform will do that translation. I, I think we currently support 108 languages. 
Um, and, um, you know, so if I'm speaking in English and the, the recipient is in Welsh, uh, is a Welsh speaker natively, the, you know, the, the text translation at the bottom, the closed captioning will come up in, in Welsh, which is great. But the next step on that is voice translation. And Barry, you mentioned, you know, the AI and the machine learning. The voice synthesis technology and feeding into that translation capability. So if I'm speaking in English, actually the voice that comes out the other end speaking in Welsh. So they're not having to read it. It's actually they're hearing my voice, but speaking Welsh to them. That's something I think is in, you know, the development cycles that we're moving towards will be transformative, especially as we live in a world that's, you know, so, um, so disparate. And there are so many languages spoken and, and for that inclusivity to make make folk, um, you know, feel as though that they're, they're not isolated from the person that, that's at the other end of that uh, meeting that's that's working with them or helping them. Um, so that's something that I'd, I'd be excited to see as, as that develops over the um, over the coming years. Rosie, what do you want to see from collaboration technology? Do you know what? I, I want a filter where my makeup's on in the morning. Like, so you can go and pick your filter. I want to be tanned it's, today. It's, it's, it's Forget the virtual backgrounds. Give me a filter. I want to change my filters. hair colour. Yeah. You want to change the, 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 the time for that? Move from 10 to 15 years. No, for me, it's the um, like holograms. Like, I, <laughs> I just imagine being in a meeting, like, Boop, and then there's a new person in the room. I just think, <laughs> like, that's exciting. And I just think, like, over the past two years, you wouldn't imagine what's happened. So, who knows what's good? Like, 10 years is a long time. We've got lots to do, lots yeah. to discover. Yeah. I, I suppose even the hologram, like the one of the things that I can't get my head around, right, is 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 wearing the helmet, right? So, <laughs> yeah. it, no, I, I just it's it's alien to me having to put a hat on in a meeting, right? And with these, I know, but things, see, my right? mum went to go pick her new kitchen, and that's what they had them doing their new kitchen was the VR. <laughs> they, had, they had that; they were exactly. so, around so, in a room. <laughs> so how does that become more natural? You know, where you don't have to put on these obtrusive helmets yeah. on in a, in a meeting room, like you know, and that's something that uh, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward. Well, hopefully, down to a pair, pair of glasses. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. No, mine yeah. is a filter idea, especially if it's going to take 15 years. We're going to need anti-wrinkle filters in 10 years' time. So I'll, I'll wait for that. I'll be there yeah, for that. Yeah, um, yeah. But before we finish up, I'm actually curious to know, because everyone wants to know, but the guy with the wing mirrors, is he still at Cisco? Is he going to know who you're talk we're talking he, he about? He is. Yeah, he is. He is, yeah. We yeah. won't say it. Well, better not say any names. Yeah, yeah we'll not name. He's Onwards and upwards through, onwards the, and through upwards. the organization and, and yeah. yeah, we're still we're still hovering around. So <laughs> if he's listening, he'll he'll know who he is. We still love you. <laughs> so that's a wrap on our two-part hybrid work special. We hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to share your feedback and ideas by emailing us at ukipodcast at cisco.com. Why not share with us your loves and loathes about being back in the office and make sure you like and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs>